I like it. <laughs> I, for one, have fully signed up to be one of the king's serfs. <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new king. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Rockstar CMO Epping Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but on this weekly podcast, I chat with the true rock stars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO to share their marketing street knowledge. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll include links to me, my guests, all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. It's Saturday the 6th of May. I hope you've had a great week. You are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark shares his five effing fundamentals for marketing operations. Author and marketing trainer Matt Bailey returns to discuss hiring marketing talent. And I wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge from our resident Rockstar CMO, strategy advisor, and former Forrester Research Director. Hello, Ian. Welcome Hello. back to the studio. Damn, I missed my cue. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you for letting me in. <laughs> yeah. Very nice to be here. How are you? I'm doing, uh, doing well, you know. Jolly good. It's, huh? it's, uh, it's a bit of a gray day, you know, having kind uh, of English, English weather in the New England uh, <laughs> section of our country. But, um, uh-huh. you know, everything's getting green. So, yeah, absolutely. Good yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. No, we've had a bit of a funny old day. Some nice weather, some gray. But a uh, little blue sky now later in the day for us as it fi- finishing on a high, I think. Awesome. Actually, yes, yes. No, jolly, jolly nice. So that's the, that's the weather sorted out. And I know the listeners are very keen to know our views Absolutely. on what the weather's like this weekend <laughs> on, on Thursday, the 4th of May, um, not may, 2023. As, as, <laughs> as one of my friends say, may the 4th be with you. Yes, absolutely. That's what we should have talked about today, shouldn't we? Jim made some kind of crazy analogy between Star Wars and marketing. I'm sure there yeah. must be one. Anyway, but, um, but, and we could have done the five effing fourths. fourths <laughs> <laughs> well, tomorrow's Cinco de Mayo, which is big yes. enough, you know, in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We, it's something we've carried forward, actually, from, uh, from our time living over there. Is, uh, yeah. We always try and have Mexican food on the, Cinco de Mayo, which is harder to get here than it is in the US. So we have to make our own. But yep. it's, uh, yes, so 
So yes, so we should have been recording this tomorrow because today we are going to talk about the Cinco Effing Fundamentals. <laughs> Cinco Fundamentals. It's C of Marketing Operations. Uh, yeah. Apologies to anybody who speaks Mexican or Spanish for our accents. Yes. Um, but, but, so we're going back to marketing operations, which we talked about a lot before. And I know in the last show we said this is what we're going to cover. Um, but we've never given it our five effing fundamentals treatment. So I thought we'd distill this down. Or I say I thought, you thought, because you oh. are the brains of the operation. <laughs> um, so we thought, we thought we'd distill marketing ops down to our five effing fundamentals uh, and, and answer the question where one might start with marketing operations and what are the priorities. So what say you, Jeff? You know, there there's several ways to look at uh at the function, um, mm-hmm. you know, but there's probably only one way to get five out of <laughs> five fundamentals. <laughs> so, no, I mean, it's the, I mean, where, where I always like to start and certainly when I was doing marketing operations uh, advisory, mm-hmm. um, you know, where we started is it, it's the purpose of marketing ops is to ensure that the rest of the marketing function has all the capabilities it needs to achieve the goals set by the CEMO and the leadership team. And that. so let, let me let me pause on that because I, li- I really like that. So marketing operations function is to ensure the greater marketing function has the capabilities to meet its goals. I like that. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard marketing operations described like that. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. and maybe it's new to the to the listeners or audience, which actually mm. is is why the function is so important. Um, mm. And and the thing is that, you know, it's very typical to categorize your capabilities of any organization, you know, people, process, technology, you know, data is important. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, that, uh, you know, that I would add to that is analytics or measurement, you know, because you want to be able to answer, you know, how are we doing? And, and you typically need to use all the other four to, <laughs> to figure that out. Uh, yes. And um, so but, it's a, uh, it, it's a good way to look at it at, mm-hmm. at, you know, what the fundamentals of marketing ops, because your people at marketing ops are going to be working on all those sets right. of capabilities yes, in service but, of the marketing function. Yes, but you're teasing the listener with what those five are already. And, I that, am. and, and that, that, that ruins my job. Or where <laughs> I'm to okay, well, you can just sit back and <laughs> take it from here. So um, where do we start? What's the first, what, what first your F in fundamentals, Jeff? Yeah, it, it, and I think one of the reasons I did put it in a sequence, which, which I'll keep the listeners guessing as we go <laughs> piece by piece is that, is that, you know, usually when you start out, um, you know, a small organization or a startup and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we need somebody to work on our data. Uh, mm-hmm. cause that data is just an absolutely fundamental resource, uh, for the marketing department. And, um, and so, you know, you want to be able to answer the questions. Who are our customers? Who are our prospects? Where do we, can we email them? You know, do we have leads? Where, where do they go? And blah, blah, blah. And so, so having somebody who can get their arms around that and be kind of, you know, the, mm-hmm. at the beginning, kind of the data administrator is really helpful. And this may be a, I mean, this may be a shared role with another one of the, uh, of the capabilities, but, but I think it's, it, it's, it's certainly a great yeah. place to start. But then as, as an organization builds and, you know, and gets more sophisticated, then, you know, at some point you're, you, you get into a role of data stewardship where you're not just getting your arms around it, but you're trying to like help manage how the company gets their arms around right. its data. 
It's funny. Um, it's funny that you identify this as the first one because I actually had this conversation just a couple of weeks ago with one of our general managers, and he was like, "If we're going to create marketing ops, the first person we need, you're going to need Ian. You're going to need Ian as a data person." <laughs> I'm like, you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, thank, thank you. I've got, I've got another advocate for this on my, yeah. on the, in, on the leadership team. So yeah, absolutely. I think you're completely right, and that's often where people think about marketing ops first, isn't it? Is 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 that side that and web operations? I think the data and yeah. the web operations. But we'll, well, I think I think some of that part of that is because you know most of the people that get into marketing, it's like, it's what, their, do I yeah. want to deal with data? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a pain wow. in the. You know, wow. I mean, it's it's I, I don't know. You know, every once yeah. in a while, I would I would um, relish going through you know customer yeah. lists and stuff like that because you know you learn yeah. something, but it's like you know I can only do this so long. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, yes, I mean this is weird. I, actually, I think that what I should just do is, um, yeah, th- this is like a counselling session for me that I just happen to record. It just turns out that way some day, some weeks. <laughs> but I was actually I genuinely having that conversation with one of our marketing directors today. Is that this data piece tends to be like a little bit of everybody's job because everybody hates doing it. Yeah, I'm saying to him, well, let's find somebody who loves doing it because there are people that love data. Absolutely, there so, absolutely yeah. are, and they're wonderful yeah. people. They are wonderful people. You don't see much of them, but they are wonderful people. <laughs> <laughs> they always wear glasses. <laughs> uh, well, we're on. Uh, we, we've managed to cover one, and we're okay. seven minutes in already. So, what's your second fundamental? Two is technology, and and yeah. and you know sometimes this is part and parcel of the first person you hire because it's like okay, you're you know you're in charge of our data. And yeah. by the way, we've got this, you know, uh, marketing automation platform or this, you know, web, webs, you know, we, we need our web stats, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. so you need to be in charge of the technology as well as, as well as the, the data. Um, mm. and, and the thing is, it's certainly from, you know, when I started my career to today, I mean, technology is just consumed. I mean, it's how we engage with prospects and customers. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's in so much of it is digital. Therefore, the various you know platforms we use and the and the systems behind it is is uh, are are so important to make sure they function efficiently. Of course, the idea yeah. behind buying all of that technology is usually to make your department more efficient. Yeah. Sometimes that works. <laughs> Sometimes it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, when, when, as I said, you know, when your primary sources of engagement are digital, and then also your primary sources of the information where things are recorded about non-digital engagement, like your CRM system or event management, you know, yeah. uh, those it's all it's all systems. They all got to work together, got to sew them together, yeah. uh, and you know, and use so that as would, your source of data. So the order of these is this: this would be your next hire. Then, if you were to, if you were creating a marketing ops team, and and we were. We, we were building this out. Your first, your first focus would be on data, getting the data right, and the second one would be having your technology right, right? yeah, and, and hiring a, te- a, te- a a marketing technologist. And I think this is really interesting because also it isn't just about being able to work the machines that make the machines work together, right? It's that it's that it's the uh, it's the tying together of the different data fields in the different systems and all that kind of good yeah. stuff. And that's and, that's quite a challenge. And 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 you know, as I said, with data with with mm. tech, it's like the first person you hire might be the the marketing automation admin. Yeah. You know, but as you get more mature, then you need yeah. somebody who can help roll out other technology or do yeah. assessments on technology yeah, or yeah. look at how you know processes flow across. So yeah. it's 
So it's it's a it's certainly an area where you know you get up to larger organizations yeah. and they'll have a whole department that's focused on yeah. their their sales and marketing technology. And you, and you and me know that this is a rabbit hole you and I could dive down for a while, right? We've, we've talked about marketing technology quite a lot on the show and the criticality of it, but also like the selection, the auditing, making sure you've got the right stuff. It's a big old job, right? So that's your second big one, job. which is your second effing fundamental which is technology what's your third analytics mm-hmm. and this you know you can give this a number of names analysis measurement reporting just report but but you know you've got the technology you got the data so now you know tell me how we're doing because you've got the you got the pieces that can help inform uh right. you know where you know what our engagement is what our email stats what you know whatever it is where are leads and and mm-hmm. so um so I mean, the thing is that, you know, again, in early parts of an organization, it's just, you know, give me the reports and maybe the CMO or the leadership team figures out, you know, from the raw data, you know, but, you know, working with a consistent set of, I mean, this is where this is, you know, based on some of the earlier things we talked about, because you need to provide a consistent set of data with a consistent reporting view so that everybody's looking at the same you know, at the, from sure. the same perspective. Yeah. Um, and then as you, you know, as you get more mature, um, you'll want that person and not just give you the reports, but Hey, tell me, <laughs> tell me what I'm supposed yeah, to understand. Yeah. Give me the insights but, out of this. Uh, yeah. and then when you get into a, a very mature organization, you've got data scientists who are like, yeah. you know, working like dogs behind the, the back behind the scenes to make sure that everything across all the systems is is uh, consolidated in a way that actually can be useful. Yeah, but the, I mean, what, what strikes me about this is, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a different kind of approach in organization. I, I wonder if the reports come first and then that pulls through that you need somebody to help out with the data. Because I think, I think that for me, you know, where you've separated out data and analytics, I wonder if if me as a CMO would actually be looking to somebody say, give me these reports, and then they'd say, I need the data, and or whether you would have the foresight to say, okay, I need to get my data sorted out before I can do it. I mean, that's the way management teams tend to work, don't they? They want the reports, and so this would be the this would be the pull, wouldn't it, from from the leadership team? And, and this, yeah, and this is where you know, as you as you start small and work your way up. You know, one person can be doing these first three roles or they could be or they could be meted out among another team, other teams. Or, you know, as we've discussed before with like, you know, revenue ops concepts or, Mm. you know, sometimes some of these things are handled in IT. And you so you need your marketing ops people to be working with the IT resources. So it's it's a it it can be complicated. But I think the, the thing is that when you're thinking about the capabilities of your marketing ops team. You're, you you yeah. want to like look at these as separate pillars of which you know how mature are yeah, we in sure. being able to do these things? Yeah, for sure. But for me, I think the lumping together. I, I think the lumping together of data analytics is more natural for me than te- I think. I think the role of a marketing technologist ha- has to you know is is quite specific, isn't it? I think the day da- the data analytics. Yeah, maybe you're going to have somebody who's going to share that role until you start getting deep in both directions, right? So I think, yeah. Yeah. But yes, so that's your third, which is uh, analytics. Absolutely agree. So what's your fourth FN fundamental? Process. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, this is probably the most, uh, I mean, I was using the term under inspected 
yep. capability in the marketing department. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everything in marketing runs on processes, you know, creative yeah. process, the lead process, web production, the, you know, mm. uh, the opportunity process. So it's like, um, we rarely, what we rarely do is look at them as, as distinct individual processes. So we can, so we can ask questions or, or, you know, are they documented? Mm. Are we running it consistently? Where, where are the execution gaps mm-hmm. and um, where are the skills gaps, which will lead into the, <laughs> the last thing. But, yeah. but it's like, you know, you want to be able to um, have people who are uh, detailed and analytical enough and also are, um, you know, can work well with other people within the marketing organization mm-hmm. so that they can, they can help them. You know, let, let me take our creative services process Everyone says complaining about it. Things don't come on time, blah, 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 blah. So let's yeah. actually go through the process, find out where the execution gaps are and see how we can fix it. And that yeah. usually the person that owns the process or that's in the middle of the process, they may have ideas, but they can't step back and take that that unbiased yeah. view. And so um, so this is a really important to me. It's a really important function. It may not be an individual person, but certainly I, I've seen um mm. marketing ops teams where somebody gets put into kind of like the project management office mm. type of role or the mm. or you know anytime we're doing big rollouts launches change management blah 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 mm. oh we've got this person who knows how to run cross-functional processes yeah. and projects yeah. really well uh and so it's a it's a it's a great skill to have it could be the leader of the marketing ops team ultimately mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it it's one that many organizations i dealt with uh and deal oh, absolutely. with absolutely yeah. need it <laughs> well that's because i mean those first three that you name it, it tend to be the tactical um needs of the business aren't they and that tends yeah. to be where where we talk about marketing operations around technology and data but i think this is good and i think also when you think about this, particularly if you think about it as a PMO, as a project management office, or as a traffic management function, or yep. then you're starting to think like an agency inside, aren't you? You're yeah. thinking about your marketing team completing programs, completing tasks for the business, and you're actually orchestrating that better within the group. I think this is really important. And and like you say, it's not something that is top of mind for 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 cmos you know we're just you know it's that hamster wheel thing isn't it we jump on we get on with the stuff yeah we don't take a step back and think about process and strategy so and we're and we know we're wicked busy <laughs> but, yeah but we oh, don't know sure. if we're, but but some yeah but, yeah, but yeah. people in sales are not happy with yeah, the yeah. collateral or yeah, you know absolutely. whatever it is you know absolutely you know i've also seen where marketing organizations have tried to um become agile in the big a you know using agile methodology and you need a practitioner of that to teach the rest of the team how that's going to work. So Absolutely. I think this PMO office, is, although I'm, you know, I, I always maintain that marketing is an agile part of the business anyway, but um, I, I do think that PMO is a great thing to have within your marketing team and it might as well see a marketing ops. So those are the, the four, four so far. So we've got our, we've got our data, our technology analytics, and we're looking at process and we've got this PMO. What's your fifth F in fundamental? People. Ah, okay. People and and um, you know, and it may be more appropriate. Of course, you, people because people like to say people, process, and technology it has kind of a nice mm-hmm. ring to it. But really, mm-hmm. I think what you're more likely to focus on is skills, because skills could right. be you know, it could be a role, it could be an individual, or it could be 
something that an individual has several skills that that can help in the execution of marketing and and so the reason why in and this is you know because as we've been going up this little ladder um this is Mm. definitely for the most mature marketing organizations because this is where you get to a point where you've got a big organization you're 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 trying to deal with um skills issues HR mm-hmm. is not very helpful because HR doesn't know what marketing people do. Uh, yeah. And and so, and you could bring in an outside consultant, um, which actually could help with this, but you need to yeah. perform some sort of skills gap analysis. And, and, um, and, and this is actually an area where, you know, marketing ops can help again, you know, because they're the unbiased arbiter of how yeah. we're, set up with our capabilities they can help do the skills gap analysis they may find when they do the tech assessment or the process gap analysis or any of these other as they're looking mm-hmm. at the other capabilities they may find oh my gosh you know we need somebody who's got a particular skill to, to fit this yeah. part of the process or to operate this technology right. so it's a um i think it's a it's a it's a valuable and again not yeah. to manage anybody else in the marketing department, but yeah. be able to do the skills gap analysis and yeah. also make sure, because, uh, you know, important thing for marketing is how they work with other functions within the, um, within mm. the, the company. So therefore yeah. looking at how alignment and engagement across, you know, between different groups, particularly sales marketing, but sales products, sales and marketing yeah. and, and uh and uh, you know any other business units etc um it can be a very uh helpful tool to the cmo yeah and I've, and it's interesting because matt bailey will be the guest that's coming up next and he he comes from an organization called site logic and we're going to talk a bit about training because i already know because i recorded the interview with him before i spoke to you um and i think somebody needs to focus on this right whether this comes out of marketing operations or it's a cmo or whatever somebody needs to focus on on the development of people and their skills and their fit, right? And I think a skills audit is good. And I also like the idea that across all these five fundamentals, you're looking at marketing ops to be this kind of independent arbiter within the team, right? They don't have they don't they don't have that creative skin in the game that something needs yeah. to happen and feel that way. These folks are just managing process, managing a process around people and stuff. And also, as you say, HR you know, they'll know that there's such a thing as a marketer or a marketing executive, but they won't understand what's the difference between somebody who's doing your data or somebody who's looking after your technology or somebody who's looking after demand, right? So, yep. yes, cool. So those are your five FN fundamentals, data, technology, analytics, process, and people. Um, and uh, how, usually we end up with a with an evaluation or a measurement or something. But that's, <laughs> that, those are our those well, are our five F in fundamentals. Yeah. Well, I think well, I think the thing of the measurement, and maybe we can discuss this at the you yeah. know at a, in a future date, is that is that because I know when I did um, technology assessments uh, as yeah. a in, from a consulting perspective, oftentimes we'd say, well, it, well, we see the gaps in technology, but as we've been interviewing people. We yeah. we see skills issues, we see data issues, we see process issues, and so you you end up mapping the whole thing out, and it mm-hmm. hits all of these these categories. So even though you may be asked to do, we got a tech problem, or we may be asked to say we've got a process problem, you end up yeah. realizing you're touching all five of these, um, and so that's uh, you know how to conduct that kind of broader capability assessment uh, mm-hmm. is something we can come back to. 
cool. And I think we agreed we're going to do, do that next week. So next oh my week. Gosh. Is that going to be the five effing fundamentals of capability assessments? Or just uh, going to I, I don't know. Maybe it's five <laughs> steps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. So we're going to come back to that next week. And the, only, the final part, point on our agenda in the studio is what song are we going for here, Jeff? Jigsaw, Falling Into Place. It's a Radiohead tune from mm. 2008. And um, it had... Uh, you know, I was I was I was thinking about tune, tunes that had to do with skills or things coming together, and and the yeah. line out of this is jigsaw falling into place. So there's nothing to explain because if everything's working well, yes, you got nothing to explain. <laughs> Lovely. All right, so that so we're going to play out with jigsaw falling into place by Radiohead from 2008. Uh, because of the wonderful lyric, uh, we're not doing it because of the because Radiohead are kind of like quite slow. And easy going. So we're just going to ease. It does pick up after a couple of minutes. (laughs) All right. We'll ease you into the next section. All right, mate. So I shall see you in the marketing studio next week. And we'll be talking about capability. See See you then. All right, buddy. I'll see you then. Enjoy Cinco de Mayo. Thank you, Jeff. And that was Jigsaw Falling Into Place by Radiohead from 2008. Give us a shout at hello at rockstarcmo.com if you have a suggestion for a topic for our regular marketing consultation, which I can get us for free. <laughs> right, time to go backstage with my guest, Matt Bailey, the founder of SiteLogic Returns. After a decade in digital marketing, Matt founded SiteLogic in 2006, originally as a digital marketing services agency, but pivoted to training in 2015 and now teaches digital marketing to the world's biggest brands, including Microsoft, HP, Comcast, Target, and Nationwide. And his work is used at several US universities, including Duke, Purdue, and Rutgers. He's the author of three books, and as you'll hear, hosts his own podcast, The Endless Coffee Cup. Always fun to catch up with Matt. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Matt, back to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for the invitation, Ian. Hey, you're very welcome. And we last had you uh, on episode 143. Uh, And um, so for people that, I don't know who wouldn't have listened to episode 143, but for people that didn't (laughs) listen to episode 143... Uh, share a little bit about what is it that you do, Matt, and, and what do you do at SiteLogic? All right. Well, I have been in uh, digital marketing for over 25 years mm-hmm. and, you know, brand side, agency side, had my own agency and then pivoted about eight years ago to go full time into training. Mm-hmm. I realized that even when I had my agency, I was training clients, I was mm-hmm. training employees, I was training other people. Yeah. And so changed completely into training. And so now I have online training, I develop curriculum for, uh, for companies, for universities, for training companies, and also get the opportunity to travel around and train with different organizations around the world. Yeah, I bet that's rewarding and fascinating work. And we've chatted a couple of times and we've, I'm going to be on your podcast too. So I'm yeah. flipping this around about who's talking <laughs> to who, but that's fascinating work. And, is, and that's, that's, what, that's what SiteLogic does. You also um, have your own podcast too, don't you, on the Marketing Podcast Network? 
Yes, it's called the Endless Coffee Cup. And yes. the idea is that, that, you know, we're taking some time after a conference or, you know, any type of <laughs> gathering and we're, and we're in the pub after. So I yeah. go with coffee because it's, it's a, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, depending upon time of day, it's your beverage of choice. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, as you know, on this show, I go for gin and tonic after this. Yes. So <laughs> that's where I'm going to be headed. So, um, so that's Sight Logic. That's a little bit about yourself. Now, this week, um, we, we, You've discussed with us training before, so I'd encourage people mm-hmm. to go back and listen to episode 143, and we talked a bit about your career. But I think we were discussing before uh, before you came back on the show was um, part of what you've been involved is not just ha- not just training, but also ha- helping hiring teams as well. So I think, and it's something we've talked about on the podcast a little bit with my chum Jeff is how how do we approach that? So where you're helping organisations hire teams, how do you how where do you start what 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 do you think is the ideal marketing team and mix when you're working with your clients well so if i'm evaluating a team as well as evaluating someone i want to hire there you've got to separate the subjective and the objective Mm -hmm. the subjective is going to be affected by how well they interview what they look like uh some of what you see in their cv the objective is what can i i measure and evaluate Mm -hmm. that removes that you know those external factors yeah and so i love having an objective test that i can give to people Mm. and it it tests their knowledge, their their recall, their understanding of certain areas. And I call it the Swiss cheese effect when we're working with a team mm-hmm. that, you know, after the test, we can see individually where strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses are. But then as a team, we overlay it and you want to yeah. avoid that Swiss cheese where everyone <laughs> has the same hole. Yeah. Uh, and then from that, we either develop a training program mm-hmm. uh, and we can see that, you know, you're strong here, you're weak here. We can mm-hmm. adapt to that because we want to bring people to, first of all, a shared vocabulary. Yeah. Everyone knows what we mean when mm-hmm. we say an impression. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> For yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then everyone knows what we mean. And so we want to have a good level of generalist knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then for the specialists, we want to have that additional deeper knowledge that this is demonstrable, it's it's testable, right. and we can produce that. Right. And so, um, yeah, kind of, I kind of asked you a very open question there at the beginning. So is this, so when you're working with organizations, is this what you'd call a skills matrix? So you're looking at yeah. what is the gaps that this current team have before they then think about what it is they need to hire? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, understanding what they want to accomplish, yeah. Uh, and how they want to accomplish that, then testing and building yeah. that matrix of, well, if, you know, especially, you know, if, if a team wants to focus on content marketing, hmm. you know, the amount of <laughs> skills, you know, what kind yeah. of content, you know, and how yeah. is it going to be produced and what kind of media, yeah. uh, you, you know, you go through that, that fact finding first and yeah. then, okay, let's evaluate our team and see where the strengths are. Right. Um, if everyone's strong in, you know, paid search and, mm. and, uh, uh, you know, digital advertising, well, we're going to have to either mm. adapt or hire or, you know, mm. come up with some kind of plan for that. Mm. And what do you see with your clients? Where do you think most marketing teams over index and where do they need to focus? That is a great question. I, so I see a huge over index in social. 
Um, <laughs> I, 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 and I would say organic social. Yeah. And, you know, I still run into those companies that, you know, the marketers are worn out because they are being told to post five days a week mm-hmm. and they're running out of ideas. They're, you know, so there's not yeah. a good understanding from the management standpoint mm. of what's expected. Where they under index is analytics yeah. all the time. All yeah, the time. yeah. 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 And is that something that you help with in terms of skilling up or is that? is that is that a new hire do you think do you think that that particular skill is so specialist that really you need to look at bringing people in rather than training your own folks oh no i think training everyone in the organization everyone in your marketing department has to have a level of analytics mm-hmm. savviness a, mm-hmm. a level of analytics understanding because mm-hmm. and it and it goes towards everyone having skin in the game, everyone having a sense of investment that what I do, mm-hmm. if I know how it contributes to the organization and the yeah. organizational goals, then I'm going to approach it better, differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to be a bit more motivated about it than if I'm just endlessly producing content. Mm-hmm. If if I know that this content produced a reaction and it's measured, absolutely, yeah, and that yeah, yeah. measurability translate to a key objective, yeah, that I'm in. So every one of my specialists, mm. you've got to know how number one to measure what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, to because if you, it again, how do I adjust? How do mm-hmm. I know I'm doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. How do I know I'm achieving the right results? Mm-hmm. So that's where team-wise, everyone's got to have an understanding of analytics. And mm-hmm. and, and really, the, the primary obstacle is getting C-level, getting management to understand these yeah. key metrics and the, and, and the definitions. Yeah. Uh, I, I joke about every organization I go into. The first question I ask in the training is, everyone write me a definition of an impression. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we add it up and, and there's almost as many definitions of an impression as there are people in the room. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so right away, that tells me mm. organizationally, we're not approaching this correctly. Yeah. And it, what you were saying about developing that common language, which you were saying in the beginning, which is important. But when it when it comes to goals and understanding goals, what do you do? You, um, do you talk about the OKR model or any of that? Is that is that something you encourage with clients that they actually do these sort of goal setting processes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. The goal setting process. So what I teach when I'm working with marketing teams or, you know, marketers from different organizations mm-hmm. is creating almost like a, a, a measurement model, the marketing mm-hmm. measurement model that what's your objective okay, what's the key measurement that shows that objective has been reached? Mm -hmm. And so for every activity, Mm -hmm. there is a connection. Right. And there is a key metric of that connection that ties back to the overall objective. And so what we're doing is is eliminating all of the fluff and the, (laughs) the, the massive amounts of data and bringing it down to, you know, okay, so, you know, as a result of our content marketing, our goal is to mm-hmm. produce leads. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. So those leads, and and by producing those leads, we're achieving this. Uh, you know. So now, what are the key measurements, and and how do we show mm. the value of mm. our activity? Uh, that's that's really what we drive to is is just bringing it down into a 
stage-by-stage framework of Mm -hmm. understanding what activity drives this index, which means this, and it connects here. Mm. And, And pulling that all together. And it's amazing because at the end, you know, these marketers, they're liberated. (laughs) <laughs> they, they yeah I, i've had so many people come up afterwards say i feel so much better <laughs> yeah because i i don't need you know these these thousands of other measurements i can yeah, focus yeah. on these areas and i know what it does yeah yeah and then do you think that's the challenge then when you're trying to um train a team and to think about the data is to pick what's important Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always joke about the, the hundred slide PowerPoint deck as a monthly report. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, at one organization I was training for, they shared their monthly report with me and it was literally, I I joked about it for months and I'm literally looking at a hundred slide PowerPoint (laughs) deck full of copied and pasted data tables. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked him, how many of you looked at this? (laughs) None of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's okay. Then it's useless. Yeah. It's completely irrelevant and useless. And the time spent copying, you're showing me your copy and paste skills. You're not <laughs> showing me marketing skills. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we had a chat about this a, a few weeks ago. Um, Jeff Clark and I, who's obviously the regular on the show, our, my um, my expert strategy advisor. And um, we and what we were talking about the 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 insights and the data you need to collect and reports you need to do and i think when one of the things i pushed back on him about was you got to think about the friction in the business of creating these reports i mean it sounds to me like if you're producing a hundred page report once a month how are you getting anything done right (laughs) and that's always and, and also i always think that some of these reports are sourced from sales and these are hard put upon people that are reporting to a whole bunch of different people it's getting that appropriate level of reporting in place Mm -hmm. isn't it well it's so this goes back before i was in marketing i Mm -hmm. was in the military Mm -hmm. and we and and i was in when we transferred from green screen to browser-based internet access yeah Uh, and all of a sudden you know we went from paper reports to uh, I'm trying to think what the early Microsoft database, uh, what it was Access. called. Access. But, <laughs> and now all of a sudden everything's digital. We, yeah. we, tr- we went from paper to digital. And because there was so much more information, mm. the number of our reports tripled. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I'm, you know, and I, you know, I'm throwing a fit going, why don't we just send them the database? They can yeah. run whatever reports they want. Why do yeah. I got to run it yeah. when they have the data as well? So it's, I think it's just a natural inclination of humans mm-hmm. to accumulate as much data yeah. as possible. And when there's more, <laughs> we demand more. Um, so I, I like to break it down into four levels. The first is what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's where we go crazy. Mm-hmm. because. Now, if I don't know what happened, I'm going to do a hundred slide deck of ch- charts, graphs, data tables, and 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 I'm basically making you determine what. <laughs> right. And, and so I'm just reporting it. The second level is insight, mm-hmm. and I'm amazed how abused that term is. Mm-hmm. The other day, I logged into uh, I think it was Instagram, and it was <laughs> insights, and it, insights were how many where they come from. <laughs> Uh, you know, they came yeah. from the UK, they came from, uh, you know, the U S yeah. that's not an insight. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. a report. Yeah. Uh, so an insight is why, mm. why did this happen? Yeah. 
why did people come here from what were they looking so mm-hmm. it's 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 driving to make you know we see the correlation but can you answer what made mm-hmm. that happen mm-hmm. what you know was there a causation to it mm-hmm. and what there that's the insight level mm-hmm. the next level beyond that and, and so most marketers are doing the what happened yeah then we're getting now, you know, and it's like the Pac-Man chart. Yeah, yeah. Most are doing the what happened. We're yeah. just reporting this. Then that next level is the insight. The next level, which is even less, hmm. what do I do? Yes. What's the recommendation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and based on the data, based on what I've learned from the data, yeah. here's what I recommend. And I keep telling marketers, that's what C-level wants. Yeah. That's what they want. You're the expert. You're the specialist. Mm. And now you have the opportunity to go and say, here's what I've learned. Here's what I want to do. And you will motivate C-level when you do that. Mm. But there's now the next stage. And there's like 1% of marketers that do this. (laughs) And it's, here's the financial impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, what you're doing now is you're translating your data into their language. Yeah. Because when you speak in monetary terms that if you take this recommendation, mm-hmm. here's the economic impact I think it's going to make. Yeah. And, and I tell them, you don't have to be dead on accurate. Mm-hmm. You've just simply done some math based <laughs> on the available data, and that's going to excite yeah, you. Yeah, in my, in, my, in my experience, a couple of uh, roles ago, uh, where I was CMO at a German software company, and, and the CFO there was totally surprised by a marketer that cared about the numbers that there are mm. as you say i mean you know we're we're a talented bunch as as marketing leaders but i sometimes think we forget that though what is it that they care about and they care about the numbers as you say and i think that's a good way but i've com- we've completely gone down this data rabbit hole when i'm supposed to be asking you about <laughs> hiring right so oh, yeah. so what i thought was interesting when we were chatting before was um so and I'm complete. I have no way of segueing this. We, I'm just going to change gears completely and go back yeah. to that. Um, but what I thought was interesting was, so when you're hiring marketers, um, and so we've discovered the Swiss cheese, we've discovered where we've got our gaps, and we need to bring some people on board. What's your pro? What, what's the process you advise your clients on then? I mean, how is it? How can you assess the skills of marketers? That's why I like, uh, you know, I look at some of the certifications that are out there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a number right now of certifications you can achieve. The one thing that most of them have in common is the, their certifications tied to a training company. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a little bit weary because what that means is you passed their training mm-hmm. and they give you a certification. The yeah. problem is, and, and this is why I like uh, OMCP, is they're an independent validation they're an independent Mm -hmm. they don't have a training company and so training companies go to them to say here's our content Mm -hmm. does it pass your review uh and so they have a standard set of competencies that are expected in certain areas and i love that because it's a truly independent whereas everyone else is really kind of tied to you took our training you get our certification yeah there's no third party yeah uh there's no unifying body saying these are the skills and and we you know and and what i like about it is they've got a a full uh uh group behind them they have an advisory board made up of brands made mm-hmm. up of agencies uh and, and so that type of testing where we're looking specifically at competencies within uh, generalization as well as specialization areas 
I love doing that. Yeah. And, and I love using that then as a template for training mm-hmm. uh, because it really, it focuses on those primary skills, but also the secondary skills that uh, really give us an ability to give a a provable mm-hmm. certifiable that this mm-hmm. person knows what they're talking about right and so so you look at certification with uh with candidates is that something you do yourself as well as a training organization do you mm-hmm. you, you support people to get certified in that way absolutely yeah. absolutely i i any, and then that's one of the things we're seeing now as well is these certifications are starting to mean more than a university mm-hmm. degree. Right. Uh, I've run into this numerous times where people are, they have the degree, but mm. they have no skill yeah. or experience. Yeah. So these certifications are starting to take that place. Mm-hmm. And I... I've launched my own certification, you know, my yeah. own courses. Yeah. Uh, but what's different about it is I don't, I don't like the 100 hours of video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so mine is more coached. Yeah. Where I'm going to tell you, and, yeah. and I try and simulate the agency experience. Yeah. Yeah. That here's a context. Here's your assignment. Yeah. And then when you do the assignment, you do the research. Now I want you to put it in a PowerPoint and present mm-hmm. it to me as if I was the CMO. Right. And now, how would you That's do that? Much so we're we're developing both that that hard skill and the human skill. Yeah, very practical approach there to that certification. And so, um, but when you're looking at candidates, and um, we talked about it on your show, we will talk. I don't know when these things are going to go out, but <laughs> we um, one of the interesting things was how do you assess somebody like? So you're saying that during the interview process, okay, so we'll look at their certifications and stuff. But also, you mentioned earlier on that you'll actually set tests and ask people to do things. Mm-hmm. Now that that's a that's got some um, controversy in it, in that some people then think you'll be asking them to do free work, right? So if you ask a copywriter to write mm-hmm. some copy and stuff like that, how do you do that balance of getting somebody to actually do some work? that's kind of unpaid at that point. Right. Um, I Honestly, I would have it do something that's not business. Okay. Yeah, to your yeah. business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that way, no one can claim that. Yeah, um, yeah. The test typically, though, for a skills test is a, is a multiple choice and right. it's online. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But th- those are ways that you can... It, it, and, and also, one of my, what I love asking people is, what are you working on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, we used to call that the basement experiment. Yeah. You, you know, what are... What is it that you're passionate about that you're yeah. developing? That and so you know when I find someone who's who's managing their own website, yes. or they they built a hobby site, and, yes. uh, or I'm doing this over here. Yeah, tell me more about what you're doing because I want to see what makes them excited. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, and I just looked back. It was episode 148 that you actually on, and I think we talked about that then about the the fact that candidates who have got side gigs are actually quite strong candidates because they're yeah. going to demonstrate they've tried these things. They've done these things for themselves. They've built something, right? So I think that's, that, that's great. All right. Well, I did actually manage to get you back to the topic of hiring. So that's good. So there's yes. some tips there. <laughs> but I do yes. love, I do love the conversation <laughs> about data, but we're kind of out of time, but thank you very much, Matt, for your time. Um, oh, and you, for yeah. people that want to spend the dial on the interwebs and want to pick up some training, maybe learn a little bit from you, where are they are going to find you, mate? All right. The home base is sitelogic.com, mm-hmm. and that is S-I-T-E, sitelogic.com. Uh, the training site is learn.sitelogic.com, and the podcast is, strangely enough, Endless Coffee Cup, uh, <laughs> not SiteLogic, uh, but it's more of a conversation, a little, long, little more long form. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but you know, it's so funny because I, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, wow, that's cool. I do that. <laughs> but I know that is not, not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice of you to say so. Thanks, Matt. But I enjoy yours as well. And actually, um, we, we missed off some of the topics we were going to discuss today because there's a really good episode you talked about. I think it was last week where you're talking about in-demand skills around social mm. media. So I'd encourage people to go back and listen to your podcast. And of course, when you're originally on the show, episode 148, I'll include links to that in the show notes. Thank you very much, Matt. I'll speak to you very soon. I look forward to that. All right. Cheers, Thank you, buddy. Ian. Cheers, bye. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Splendid chat. And I will, of course, include all his links in the show notes. As you heard, Matt was kind enough to have me on his show, The Endless Coffee Cup, which I believe will be available in a couple of weeks. Right. It's time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker of the content advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a week uh, for sure. Mm. Um, mm. And and look here on. I mean, as we record this, um, we're so very close to you having a new king. I mean, that is yes. How, how is yes. that going down uh, in in London town? We're incredibly excited. It changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. Uh, yes, no, um, because he's the head of our church and everything. So I'm hoping for for big things from this new um, this, this new, new regime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is finally going to turn things around for us. I see. <laughs> Brexit. It's all going away. It's all. It's it's all going to exactly. turn around now. Exactly. With exactly. the new regime. Exactly. I, I like it. I, for one, have fully signed up to be one of the king's serfs. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new king overlord. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, we have a lovely cocktail this evening um, in mm-hmm. the bar, and it's it the, yes. it's a very basic cocktail, but I've added a very, uh, I guess, unique twist on it. And so it's called a whiskey ginger. Um, and it may even be Ooh. something we've had in the bar before, but it's a basic whiskey cocktail. And so you, you can, mm-hmm. you can use whatever whiskey you like, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a bourbon or a scotch or something like that, you can, you, but you want something that's got a little, a, not so smoky, right? You know, you want something that is uh-huh. not terribly peaty or smoky or anything like that. So you basically start with uh, two parts, you know, two ounces or whatever you're doing with whiskey. And then you simply add a little ginger ale uh, and uh, a bit of a squeeze or if you like a wheel of lime better. Um, Then here's the twist. What you need to have with you is a little bit of bacon. And you can either take the bacon (laughs) on a toothpick and put it into the drink if you're being fancy and you want to serve it to your friends um, as we're doing Uh here. Or you can just have a little bit of bacon as a side to this drink because that's a key thing. Have a sip of the drink, have a little nibble of bacon, and it's just the perfect, perfect pairing. Wow. So, yeah, wow. that's the that's our, that's our whiskey ginger for tonight. 
<laughs> I mean, sorry, I, I shouldn't have laughed. I mean, you bring some fancy uh, ingredients to your cocktails. I just was not expecting bacon. <laughs> oh, no. Well, bacon is the fanciest right. of ingredients. I mean, are you kidding me? Oh, That's... my God. Ev- everything tastes better with bacon. Everything. And this is an especially uh, nice pairing, I will tell you. <laughs> that was going to be the name of my content marketing agency. Well, I still own the URL. I think Bacon Content. I remember. Yes, better yeah. with bacon. <laughs> yes. I, I successfully right, so... talked you out of that, I believe. I... <laughs> <laughs> I think the website might still be around somewhere. But anyway, mm-hmm. you... Um, you, uh, so, and, and I'm surprised actually because it's Cinco de Mayo today, so I assumed there'd be tequila on the menu today, but uh, I shall attempt to make that very drink. With we're going against the, the stereotype here. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna buy into the stereotype <laughs> of the whole Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> you, uh, you have, you have, um, you have uh, tequila every other day, don't you? So, uh, this is this is your day off. So I shall uh, attempt to make that. <laughs> I'm going to use only the ingredients on my desktop bar. And I am going to use, because I took to note what you said about there, about the smokiness and to avoid as much of the peaty smokiness of the whiskey. And thought I'll go for the most Scottish of whiskies, gin. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hendrix gin. So, oh, oops, something's fallen off. Uh, and then I'll um, get up that. And then um, instead of ginger ale, as we all know, the most ginger of ales, English gingers, rather. <laughs> God, I haven't even drunk anything yet. Is, of course, the cucumber. So I should put some cucumber tonic water from those very lovely people at Fever Tree into that glass. There we go. Give that a sip. Mmm. That is delicious. I don't have any bacon either. So, um. Yeah. I, an I, Englishman who. With no bacon. This is outrageous. Yeah, <laughs> but I think bacon would go with it. Lovely, so uh, it probably would. Yes, there. That that that's that's, that's probably true. Mm. And what are we calling that? Well, that's a whiskey ginger, but I'm calling it a whiskey ginger mm. with bacon, just because that lets you know nice. that the bacon is an important part of it. Nice, I love it. All right, and I could drink one of these every week. It's delicious. So, where are we taking these very fine drinks? Uh, you know, I, here's where we're going this week. We uh, so I am off next week. Um, to my yearly retreat that I go to every year and have for the last decade, uh-huh. um, which is a little bit of a mastermind of a, of a group of people that I've been gathering with every year. And we, we go up to the Utah mountains uh, and get away. And actually just, it's a retreat of sorts where we talk about big things. We, we discuss wonderful ideas. We are creative with each other and it's people from all different kinds of backgrounds um, you know, everything from the managers of big hedge funds to uh, poets and musicians and, and uh, you know, religious leaders and uh, just all sorts of wow. really cool, interesting people. And we talk about life mm-hmm. and big things. And it's a it's a week away from the grind of everything else. So I thought we'd go up there um, and yes. have these wonderful ginger whiskeys in the mountains of Utah where it is cold. Um, and still, and um, still snow on the ground, but we can sit in one of our little cabins and have the fire and sit out on the patio um, and uh, and talk about life. Marvellous. Well, that sounds amazing. And I like the idea of the big thoughts. 
I mean, to get have a few days away from ChatGPT will probably be good for you. Isn't it? Well, I'm sure AI um, will be what? part of it. <laughs> you know? And funny enough, we'll talk so, about ChatGPT in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so when, um, yes, well, I was going to say, when um, the conversation turns from all the big things with all the artists and all the wonderful people and you retire to the cabin for a drink with me, what is it that we, what are we going to be talking about, mate? Well, I'm going to shock you and, and tell you that we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> AI and ChatGPT. Um, uh, we should really prepare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should we should think about this. So here, here's 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 what's you know this is you know the the classic uh, Family Guy you know Peter you know what grinds my gears, yep. um, and, and yeah. it's you know it's a rant that I've went on this week and it's just still on my mind, which is this. You know, you've seen the, I don't know if you see it in your social media feed, but I see it in my social media feed like every single day, this this thing that says AI is not going to replace you, but someone using AI will. <laughs> and I just think it's stupid. <laughs> I think it's pointless. And it's a bumper sticker that's based entirely on fear. And I hate it. And I hate yeah. the, I hate that that's becoming sort of the, the, you know, the, the stereotypical sort of conventional wisdom out there, which is just ridiculous because here's the thing. I think, you know, even though I think the trope is stupid, I don't, I don't think it necessarily means that AI won't replace you, but if it, if it does, it's not because the reasoning in that stupid idea, the, the truer version of that bumper sticker would be AI shouldn't replace you, but some short sighted misguided person who is your boss might think it can. Right. And so, um, (laughs) That it, it's usually the the whole thing is usually this thing based in hey you better get good at AI quickly yeah, yeah. because if you don't get good at AI quickly someone's going to replace you who can use AI well and yeah. my question is always then what does that even mean like tell me tell me what yeah. getting good at AI really means <laughs> um, what, you know it's like w- once you figure out how to answer ask a question that's kind of you're good at it right I mean you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah. It's yeah. there's not a lot to do in terms of getting good at it um, yet, for sure. I mean, and I I know that's going to change, and I know that the the you know that there will be skills to be had, but the the real idea is how you know how what does that even mean? I mean, because now I see I see in my social media feed anyway, along with that stupid trope, I see courses and toolkits and templates and you know you know, mm-hmm. download a thousand prompts, right? Which I did, by the way, I mm-hmm. downloaded the, I paid the hundred dollars and I downloaded the, the, the toolkit with a thousand prompts. And, you know, as you might expect, the prompts and that are like, write a marketing plan for a dentistry office. Right. And it's like, okay, that's <laughs> lovely and useless to me. Um, but here's the thing. So when we come out of all of that, when we come out of all mm-hmm. of that, of course, I think the technology here is going to slow over the next few months, right? We're just not going to see as much new development and evolution in terms of what ChatGPT does over the next couple of months. It's kind of out there, right? They've talked about mm-hmm. ChatGPT5, but they, they said they're not even working on it really, and, and, and it's going to yeah. take a long time. So we're unlikely to see a big improvement there. However, what we're likely to see is a huge influx of all of these new companies that use the elements of chat GPT to mm-hmm. do stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And the key is what we have to remember is that as people that are can and may and will or whatever be replaced, we have to remember that AI 
basically operates from what's called a goal. In other words, every AI, including ChatGPT engine, operates on the idea of what are called goals. And you have mm -hmm. two types of goals. You have final goals and instrumental goals. And so final goals, those are end objectives, right? So in other words, ChatGPT's final goal is to be a conversational uh, and a ask, answer your questions in a conversational way and basically create communication in a way that sort of either summarizes, analyzes, or creates content in a conversational way. That's its goal, you know, mm -hmm. and, and ask it to play chess and it won't do it very well. And so, right. but you ask a chess AI like IBM's Deep Blue or somebody like that, its goal is mm -hmm. to play chess and win. And mm -hmm. if you ask, you know, uh, Tesla's AI, you know, its goal, its goal is to drive safely without hitting people and get you from A to B, you know, in self-driving. Mm -hmm. So each AI has a, has, a, has a final goal. Then there are instrumental goals. Instrumental goals are those goals that are, are waypoints along to that final goal. In other words, if I say, mm -hmm. hey, I want to go to Paris, I, that's a final goal, right? I don't need to offer any other further reason to you. I just want to go. I just want to go to Paris. And it's not a stop along a longer journey. I just want to go to Paris. And so instrumental mm -hmm. goals are then, how do I get there? How do I, how do I reach my final goal? My goal might be, for example, I want to get on a plane. Why? Because a plane is the most efficient and affordable way to get to go, to get to Paris. So what they, what AI ethicists and what AI experts will tell you are that, uh, final goals can't be stupid. They can't be wrong. In other words, you can't say that a final goal is wrong. If I tell you that my final goal is to watch every Star Trek episode in a, you know, in a binge, <laughs> you might think that's stupid, but that's just your perspective. <laughs> to me, your thinking about yeah. that might be stupid. However, yeah. if I say I want to watch every Star Trek episode in a month-long binge and I'm going to do it through an AM radio um, and I'm going to – and you'd say that won't work. That's a stupid that's, goal, right? So yeah. instrumental goals yeah, can yeah. be stupid. So here's the thing. When we start to talk about the idea of instrumental and final goals, what we have to remember is that ChatGPT, at the current saying where we are with AI, mm -hmm. cannot go against its final goal. In other words, if you're a marketer and you say to it, hey, uh, write me yes. a blog post that's 500 words in the tone of Robert Rose and make it about content marketing, it's going to do it. It's not going to come yeah. back to you and go, you know... You shouldn't really write a blog post about this because A, Robert Rose writes too much. Two, two you know, this isn't really going to fit your marketing strategy. So in other words, it's not going to do the yeah. one thing that humans are good at, which is to tell you that your goal is stupid um, mm. and that you need to actually, you, you need to actually change it. And so that's yeah. the, the real key. And the last thing I'll say before we get into a little bit of conversation about this is that this goes mm -hmm. to the whole idea of chat GPT and replacing writers just is a fundamental misunderstanding of what writers are good at. And this gets to yeah. the Dunning Kruger effect, which of course I'm sure you're aware of it. You know, John Cleese has talked about the <laughs> Dunning Kruger effect and it's basically yeah. the Dunning Kruger effect is, is research that has been done about humans that we overestimate our ability or knowledge in things. Uh, in other words, yep. knowing how good you are at something requires the same skills as being good at it in the first place. And so yeah. the problem with AI or chat GPT replacing us is who's going to replace us? Somebody who can just literally make a prompt 
because if they can't recognize yeah. good writing, they won't know that if ChatGPT comes back with good writing. Yeah. You have to have yeah, someone yeah. who's skilled at writing in order to write the right prompts and actually recognize that what the AI machine spits back is good writing. And so yeah, yeah. that's why it shouldn't replace us. Now, if it does, our misguided bosses, the you know, notwithstanding, <laughs> then then it may. But it's but it's a dumb thing, and I think you know, it's just it's it's just it's just something we I should think, be thinking about in much more nuanced ways. Oh, absolutely, and I also think that um, I mean we've talked about this too. Is that um, you know, fair enough? Uh, if if me as a B two B marketer said what are the top five things that CMO can, and I've done this with ChatGPT, it will give a very you know, not entirely terrible answer, right? It's fairly bloody, bloody bland, but it will tell me five things that CMOs care about. And if I, I could tidy it up and stick it as a blog post, that hasn't replaced what I would have written, you know, or, or any of that stuff. It has just created some content, right? And right. If, you're, if that's the level of content you want to create, then it's not, you know, it, it, it isn't replacing you and your intellect and all that. What I like there, what you're talking about is that discernment right of what's good and what the good prompt is at the beginning and what comes out and how do we finagle that now it may save somebody half a day but it's still their art it's still their craft isn't it that's gone into that yeah i think oh, so okay. two things two things on that one is you know and i said this on our podcast the, the i think yeah, it was yeah. last week um and and i said you know as a content creator i don't know why i would want to use chat gpt i mean part of the joy of yeah. my job is writing and creating i was like yeah, yeah. if i'm using if i'm using chat gpt to write my stuff full stop it's sort of a like well why am i even doing it you know I, it gets really existential yeah, yeah. like what 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 is my is my goal really to be faster yes. like is that what i yeah, really yeah. am after is faster and is that what a business yeah. is after is faster and more content yeah. and to your point what most people don't really get because it, it gets hidden in sort of how clever it is, is that the AI behind ChatGPT is a predictability engine. It is simply mm. predicting what the next word is. Therefore, it's taking, it has to take as a sort of core of its way, the top of the bell curve, right? So it's, it, it is yes. by definition giving you the average response. You know, it's not going to give you anything controversial or give you anything that's a counter point of view or those right. kinds of things. Even when you ask it for that point of view, it'll say, well, I'm, a ch I'm an AI engine and I, you know, I can't really give you a, a specific point of view. But what I will do is give you my point of view that reflects the trends that are going on right now. In other words, yeah. it summarizes yeah. the trends, the hottest topics, which usually gives you exactly what you just asked for, which is the average. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so cool. And also, like, um, you talking there about the joy of writing, it's that, it's that moment when you write a sentence or a phrase, like, or you come up with an analogy that you just think is so cool. And also, you read them sometimes, don't you? Sometimes, I know, I know that I've seen you comment on, 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 um, on the socials where, where somebody has come up with a title or written something, you think, oh, I wish I'd written that. That's such a good analogy. And ChatGPT is never going to come up with that kind of thing, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with, you know, I've yeah. been doing a bit of a deep dive in terms of what the, because I really do want to understand what the AI ethicists mm. and the technology experts yep. in the space are so concerned about. And yeah. what's clear after my research anyway, is that what everybody's that 
is meaningful and, and really thoughtful in this space mm. is really concerned about is what they call AGI, right? Which is general intelligence, artificial general intelligence, which ah, means yes. that's when that's when the artificial intelligence pursues its goal and basically yes. starts to say, you know, what what you just asked me to do doesn't matter because my goal is is, you know, that's yeah. that's a level that depending on how you listen to might be months away, years away, decades away, or never possible. And it's that mm. general intelligence that people go, that's when you start getting the, you know, the paperclip problem, right? Where, you know, yeah. it decides in making the world, you know, filled with paperclips that humans are really in the way of that. <laughs> so it should just basically destroy humanity in order to fill the world full of paperclips. And so yeah. that's what we worry about. And rightfully so. But the key is, is that, you know, if we're, if we're worried with, general intelligence taking our jobs as blog post writers we're we probably have bigger things to think about you know what i mean <laughs> probably have other problems well i love that so anyway so um oh my god we could dive into this and and the vision you put in my head there when you said the paper clips taking over i was thinking about the microsoft paper clip back in the day that used to tell you you're writing a letter there it and is I, that, that, that there's our evil overlord right there so um you were talking about um bigger things and bigger problems where do we where could we find some commentary on bigger things and bigger problems robert well, I've been doing a much better job of keeping our little hovel on the internet alive, which is called contentadvisory.net. And so we've been getting some new resources up and some new blog posts up. So all of that is where I would point people, um, especially if they want to talk to us about content strategy or content marketing or anything like that. Splendid. And then you made a mention to when you said our podcast earlier, which is, of course, this old marketing with you and Joe Polizzi. That is correct. Uh, I'll include a link to that in the show notes, too. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they're not listening to your podcast or reading your articles, where are they going to find you, mate? LinkedIn would be the primary place that I would point to people. Love connecting with people there. And mm -hmm. then, you know, of course, uh, on, uh, on our own little community, which uh, I encourage everybody to want to join, which is mm -hmm. called experienceadvisors.io. Um, and where you can uh, put in your uh, your registration for joining our little community over there where we talk about all things customer experience and stuff. Had a fun little uh, get-together last week uh, and talked about all things B2B marketing. And we are planning to talk uh, uh, in, in again this month and have a live session and talk all things differentiation and telling stories. So fun stuff. Oh, wow. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, that's splendid. And most important for me... Uh, will you be in the bar next week, my friend? I will indeed. I look forward to it. I'll see you then. Thank you, Robert. I don't think the robots will be replacing Robert anytime soon. Well, not in my bar anyway. So that's a wrap on episode 165 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Matt and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com, catch us on the socials or leave a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff will be back in the studio. I'll be chatting with Rias Kanani, founder of Radiate B2B. And as you heard, Robert will be back in the bar. Until then, have a great week. I hope you again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.